And welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the show dedicated to stories told through the medium of sound, showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. Here are your news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories. I'm your host, Fred. And today we continue our adventure through the uh, dark world of the Crazy Dog Audio Theater's The Salmon of Blackpool, a uh, story of two Irishmen, Richard Ryan and Johnny Gallagher, the latter of which is dying of a slow degenerative disease. And uh, Ryan's been hired to uh, tell his life story, his biopic, the feel-good story, um, but he's found out that the life is not as feel-good as he's anticipated, and uh, there's been a whole lot of conflict, uh, both between him and his Hollywood producers and Johnny, and the world as he uh, slowly loses what little uh, muscle function he has left. It's a, quite a somber tale, but uh, absolutely gripping, and I hope you enjoy the third episode, uh, where we find all the components to the end uh, starting to put together, and uh, the conflicts we've seen so far uh, rise to their culmination. However, um, I usually don't do shout-outs here on the show, but I have to really give a plug for a new forum online, the Audio Drama Talk, audiodramatalk.com. Um, all the different people you have uh, heard here on the show, pretty much all of them are up there. Uh, people like Jeff Adams from Icebox Radio Theater, uh, David Acampo from Wormwood, um, all kinds of people who are producing uh, podcasts that you love to hear, as well as people who are like you, listening to these kinds of shows. So if you haven't checked it out yet, um, and obviously if you're listening to the show, I hope you are a great big fan of audio drama. You can learn about all kinds of new work, talk about what you like, um, and also get a lot of tips on uh, producing it if you are interested in uh, going that way. Audiodramatalk.com. And without further ado, let's move on to Crazy Dog Audio Theater, The Seven of Blackpool, Episode 3. Hope you enjoy. Crazy Dog Audio Theatre, in association with RTE Radio, presents The Salmon of Blackpool by Roger Gregg. Episode 3. So, Johnny, by this stage the disease was really working its way up your body. <laughs> I was getting a lot of grief from Sheldon in Hollywood. My script wasn't turning out to be the happy, feel-good story they wanted. I was really out on a limb, but I felt it was the right thing to do, to keep on writing the truth about you. So, uh, the script, scene 121. We cut back to our fish, the returning salmon, making his way up the river. And like before, we see the world from his point of view, down in the water, and the river is murky and dark. Shapes appear and flash. The fins of other fish. Rocks. Strange things floating lifeless in the water. Cut to our characters then, sitting together, and I'm pulling out a notepad. <sighs> Look, the pressure's really on me here, Johnny. Sheldon needs to see some progress. Ah, and your script about my life. Yeah, your life. Oh, okay. You know another talentless scumbag is Gertie O'Leary. Oh, no, 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 no. Look, 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 I... I've written out some questions here. Okay, keep your head on, kid. Just pour me a drink, put the straw in it. Here. Oh, look, there's no ice in that. Mm, that's all right, I'll drink it straight. Say, you like this new cup? It's a special design for people who can't work their hands, like me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, um, I have a list. You got a handle as big as my head on this cup, huh? Marcella had a bunch of this special self-delivered mad scientist crap. Or tubes to stick in me. They're prolonging me, which I don't want to be prolonged. I know, I know, I know, Johnny, I know. Uh, now, my questions. 
All right, all right, shoot. Uh, did you have a happy childhood? Yes. Where exactly did you grow up? Who said I grew up? What were your parents like? You know, was it what was your home like? Was it was it happy? Was it sad? Do you even remember? I try not to. Right. Um, so it was violent then. Was there like abuse, uh, neglect? Were you very poor? Was that it? Okay. Your career, uh, when did you first know you wanted to be an actor? I was born acting. Uh, well, how did you get into it? I need another drink. Oh, come on, Johnny. Look, cut me some slack here. I've been with you for 14 months now. I've gotten nowhere. I've just been chronicling what's going on with you here, but I need background. Like, I need the early years. Well, I forget the early years. I did. Look, listen. Writing this screenplay about you is a big, big break for me. Can't you see that? It's my chance to go from making a small film in Cork to making a big, big Hollywood movie and... and <coughs> sorry. <coughs> so you can sit there and feel sorry for yourself all you want, but I'm going to write this thing if it kills me. It's killing you already. You shouldn't smoke. <coughs> I know. It gives you cancer. I had cancer. No way. Yeah, testicular cancer. Ah, oh, when? Oh, about four years ago now. Uh, got the all clear. That's when I decided to make a movie, you know, a short film. No, uh, good I on mean, you. Life is short enough, you know. Good you got to do what you believe in you. when you think, when you got the chance. Yeah, right. Of course, <laughs> making the film was so much friggin' stress. You started smoking again. <laughs> yeah, right back. <laughs> right back in the fags. <laughs> That's priceless. That's great. <laughs> You're killing me. You're uh, killing me. Here, yeah, take the whole pack. Oh, cheers. Priceless. That's absolutely priceless. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. So cancer, huh? The big C. Yeah, the big C. Scary. At the time it was, yeah. Mm. Thought you were dying, huh? Occurred to me, but uh, I didn't want to deal with it. Yeah, I tried to think positive, you mm. know. Yeah, they treat it pretty easy. Yeah, usually if it's cotton time. <sighs> Lucky for me, it was. I had this, you know, lump and it was bothering me. So I went to the doctor and the doctor looked at it and he said, yeah, oh, don't worry about that. It's only a... What's your... Cyst. A cyst, yeah. And, uh, but I thought, no. No, I, I knew something was up, you know, mm-hmm. doctor or no doctor. Mm-hmm. Well, I went to London and see my uncle. He's a doctor and he did tests. You know, the test came back and it was, it was, it was cancer. Mm-hmm. Lucky for you, you had an uncle in London. <laughs> yeah, if I'd listen to the doctor here. He'd be dead. Yeah, I would. So what do they do? They uh, they remove one of my balls. Oh. <laughs> I'm alive and the other one works fine. Mm. Alive. With all the plumbing working, that's the main thing. Speaking of which... Sinead! Sinead! Get in here and sing us a song. That got me thinking, Johnny. Anyway, you look at it, life is short. So, so short. we got to use the time we have to do what we think is right. So that's why I kept on writing just what I was seeing. It wasn't going to make Sheldon happy, like. Lucky for me, I guess, Cork is a very small place in every sense of the word. And if you weren't going to tell me your backstory, there was plenty of places to look. One name kept coming up. Donald McSweeney. So these big Hollywood producers picked you to write this movie? Yeah. No offence, like, but how'd you get that? Ah, well, they saw my short film, like. All right, I heard about that, yeah. You made that yourself, right? I did, yeah. 
How did you get that together? If you don't mind me asking. I just went ahead and made it. It feels juicy about you. Fucking showed him, didn't you? I did, yeah, yeah. Only had to max out about four credit cards, like, but yeah, I showed him. <laughs> I'm curious, though. I mean, how's it go about getting the movie deal? Well, I just went to LA and took my movie around. Just like that? Yeah, just like that. And they saw you? Yeah. Well, in fact, the producer that hired me said that's what they're in the business to do. He said, like, they're always looking for the next big thing, whatever sells. You know, a box officer, that's their bottom line. So they watched your film and they liked it? Well, got me this gig. That's brilliant. Yeah. Did you see it? What? My film, Shawnee Boy. No, no, not yet. No, I, I've been first busy, like, I have a lot of theatre projects on the go and a lot of irons in the fire, like, you know, keeping busy. Cork, you know, yourself. Ah, yeah, sure, yeah. So, uh, Donald, the reason I'm here, uh, I, I was doing research for this thing and I've, I've heard that you and Johnny Gallagher were mates. Best mates, yeah. Listen, is there, like, a fee for this? Fee for what? For interviewing me, you know, getting the benefit of my expertise, like, it's only fair, like, call it a consultation fee. All right, yeah, uh, consultation fee, yeah. Gallagher will tell you about me, yeah? No, no. Never? No, you see, that's the problem. He's never mentioned anybody or anything about Cork. But he's here in town, right? Sorry. Uh, I'd better take that, actually. I know about it. Hello? Yeah? Yeah? Milk and fish fingers, all right. Okay, look, I'm in the I'm in the middle of something here. All right, talk to you later. Bye, bye, bye. Sorry about that, there. Yeah, no bother. Uh, no, I was just saying uh, he's he's never he's fairly quiet about his background in Cork. But he's here in town, right? That's what I heard anyway. Oh yeah, he's here. Yeah. Yeah. And what's he doing? He's uh he's resting. Resting. Look, I I can't get into it. He's right, but between you and me, like he he's under cocaine, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Between between you and me, yeah, he's under cocaine. Yeah, yeah. That figures all right. Cocaine, probably like Pacino and Scarface. Yeah. <laughs> see, I know him. You see, he's always an extreme kind of a bloke, completely over the top with everything. There's no control with DJ. Like, what do you mean, DJ? Dennis John. That's his proper name. You didn't know that, did you? No. Oh yeah. When I knew him, he was DJ Gallagher. He didn't like to be called Dinny. You see, <laughs> his father's name was Dennis. Did you know his family? Uh, no, not really. His father was long gone by the time I met him. Oh, he's dead? No, he skipped off to England, I think. You know the way, like. Oh, Do you know his mother at all? Never talked about her. Never. That's, uh That's significant. Yeah. He grew up just round the corner there from the Constellation Bar near the brewery, you know. Is that right? Yeah. But when I met him now, he was sharing this little ground floor flat with some skinhead bloke on the South Terrace. Awful grotty place. <laughs> there was a hole in the kitchen wall where the rats would come in and out. <laughs> I remember Johnny killed one with a frying pan one day. <laughs> oh, they were crazy days, boy. We used to go to the cricket grounds on the murder to collect magic mushrooms and then get out of our heads and go down the ark. Punk was the big thing then, massive, boy. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so what's the story then with you and him? Oh, well, no, that's a story, all right. We were both actors, you know, about 18 and uh, both going places, no? I liked him, like, he had a temper, but he had a lot of drive, you know? So I put together this little two-hander, a little play, like a show, an Irish thing, and uh, he uh, and I got the money together, and we, we took the show to New York, on stage in the Big Apple Bay. And where'd you play in New York? Well, it was a uh, place off Broadway, intimate venues, like, you know, we, we wanted contact with the audience. All right, yeah. The crowds that saw us loved it, of course, great feedback and all, but uh, it was really weird, because... We were doing well, you know, things were just starting to happen. Oh, really? Yeah, and I met this guy whose brother was working at a TV station, right? And uh, he was going to get, get a scene by the producer and everything. And then one morning I wake up and there he was, gone. What do you mean he was gone? He left. 
didn't say anything. Not a word. Just up and left me alone in the middle of New York and that was it. I thought we were friends, you know, but uh, I suppose I was wrong. So after not a word for a couple of days, I came back to Cork. Oh yeah, I was smart. I had a return ticket, you see. DJ didn't think to do that, no, at all. <laughs> he was stuck. Uh, sure. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It worked out okay for me, I suppose. And then a year later, I see him on the telly calling himself Johnny Gallagher. It was gas, you know. I'm sitting there and on comes DJ playing this taxi driver. I tried a few times to contact him then, but he never got in touch. I think his agent must never have passed on the message to him or something. Well, and he never got back? Never set foot in Cork again, till now, of course. And how did he get from New York to Hollywood? I couldn't tell you. I haven't a clue. Come here to me. This movie, you know, that you're writing, they be parts for Cork people in there, right? And for months, everywhere I went and everyone I asked, it was the same, Johnny. Just... Vague memories of a kid with a lot of drive who was out here by the time he was 20. <laughs> Some even thought you were English or American from the way you talked and carried yourself. A guy from anywhere but the grotty north side of Cork City. And as far as I can tell, Johnny, not one close relationship. I don't think you've ever had one, or here or anywhere else. I don't do friends. What about Donald McSweeney? Donald McSweeney? Yeah, he told me you were friends once. I never had friends, just people who worked for me. Well, Donald told me about acting together with him in New York. Acting? There was no acting in New York. Donald told me that you and him went off... What? What did he tell you? Broadway, right? The big time? Well, he said off Broadway. (laughs) The pub gig, you mean. Gig. The pub gig. Well, one pub gig. When I think about it now, he must have been insane. Or from Cork. Or both. Donald was all talk. That's all he ever was and that's all he ever will be. Talk. He actually thought he could just show up and blackguard his way into all these Irish bars in New York. What, and put on your show? Show? What show? It was just... (laughs) It was just him in a pair of thick glasses doing James Joyce and me in a bowler hat waiting for Gatto. Oh, God. (laughs) And then then if if that wasn't enough, he'd put on this rubber wig and do his Jack Lynch Taoiseach from Cork impersonation. (laughs) Like anybody cares. God, so sad, you know. Well, I'd say they didn't find you funny then, though. They didn't find us anything. We sat at the bar performing, and everyone just ignored us, thought maybe we were a couple of madmen. And then when we passed the bowler hat around at the end, I got into a fight with the barman <laughs> and this truck driver guy when they found out we weren't collecting for the IRA. We got thrown out into the street, and that was Donald's tour of New York. Jeez, and then one morning he wakes up and you're gone. Well, what, what, do you think, I'm an idiot? Well, you left him, right? Of course I did. He was talking about going back to Cork. And there was no way I was ever, ever going to let that happen to me. You know, I bet you any money that that time in New York is the high point of Donald's life. I, uh, I was a big hit in New York, yeah. Acting in my show, smash it off Broadway. I bet you, 30 years later, he's still going on about it. Am I right? Yeah, 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 he is. He's still going on about it. He's, uh, he's off-Broadway tour of intimate venues. Ha, <laughs> intimate venues. I knew it, I knew it. That is so cork. The place is full of it. Oh, I was big in Chicago, in construction. Earned a fortune but lost a gambling, so I came back. Oh, I was having great crack in Australia, selling sandwiches on the beach. But it was too sunny, so I came back. The place is full of them. Losers. Every last one of them, losers. 
And then when they have to come back, they face the other set of losers, or even worse. What other losers? The ones that never even had the vision to even try and climb out of cork in the first place. The ones that stayed behind and became the big fish in the little bog. The ones that everyone has to suck up to just to get their phones connected, or, or some kind of help when there's no food in the place, because your ma is off. When she's... When she's off. She's off what? I need a drink. Sinead! Sinead! That's when I began to get some kind of sense of what was going on inside you, Johnny. Not the disease, but what really tormented you. It was all pointing back. Back to what made you want to get out. Meanwhile, there was Sinead, filling the place with her songs. Ah, (laughs) you were falling for her, Johnny. Who could blame you? We all fell for her. How could we not? We cut to rays of sunshine, filtering down through the murky water. Finbar is here. What? It's nearly half past six and I need to see to it that Mr. Gallagher takes his evening medications. Oh, of course, miss. I'm so sorry. I'll just tidy all this away. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, wait, wait. Where are you going? I have to go, Mr. Gallagher. Finbar gets really impatient. Wait, don't, don't go, Sinead, please. I'm sorry, I have to. But the song, it's a great song. Richie Teller, it's a great song. Oh, yeah. It's unbelievable, Sinead. It really is. Thanks, Richie. But I do have to go. Finbar has a big gig tonight. <sighs> Get him in here. What? Have him come on in. What's the rush? Go on, get him. Doesn't he want to meet the movie star? Isn't that why he arrives early every evening and sits out in that car panting like some kind of Labrador? All right, Mr. Gallagher. I'll I, I just go get him. Oh, he's dying to meet you. And I'm just dying. <laughs> <laughs> What, Marcel? What is it now? Mr. Gallagher, 
I must be honest with you. I don't think it's appropriate what you're doing. What I'm doing? What am I doing, my this, son? This business with Sinead, what I mean. What business would that be, my son? That girl is here to help manage your house. Yes. She's not here to... Uh, to what? To, your flirtations, encouraging her to... To what? You know very well what I'm talking about. I, I don't... Oh. Oh, you think... I want to be able to walk again just so I can leap out of this wheelchair, pick her up and carry her into some sunny apple orchard, hmm? And be able to use my fingers again just so I could stroke every inch of her body. And shag her senses in a bed of apple blossoms, right? Hmm? I don't have to take this. And you know what, Massa? That's exactly what I'd do if I didn't happen to be dying in this chair. Richie, you're a man, you understand, right? Perfectly. Mr. Gallagher, as head of your home support team, I have to tell you that you're making everything very difficult for us. You don't say. Just listen to yourself. Hear your speech. What about it? You're slurring, and it's probably the first signs of dysarthria. (sighs) This what? The disease reaching your throat. But we can't tell for sure because you won't sober up. Marcella, anyone ever tell you you've got a great rack? I beg your pardon. <laughs> Look, I might as well tell you, Marcella, as, as, while my lips are still working, that your breasts are just amazing. <laughs> I mean, fantastic. Can I put my head between them? <laughs> I do not have to take this, Mr. Gallagher. <laughs> You'll be back, Marcella. you love it. <laughs> You know you do. I don't think she does, Johnny. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Mr. Gallagher. Oh, Sinead, come on in. This is Finbar O'Leary. Hello, Mr. Gallagher. It's an honour to meet you. Yes, it is. So, you're Sinead's boyfriend. Fiancé. Fiancé, really? I talked to that loads of times, Mr. Gallagher. Mm. We're engaged. Mm, so marriage, huh? Yeah, well, it, like it's all ahead of us. But we haven't had a date yet. Well, I want to get everything right. We're having a, a house built out beyond Balancholic. You are? Well, my dad's helping us out, like. Right. Well, the family own a bit of real estate, you know, property development. Finbar's dad owns, like, half McCurtain Street. <laughs> Impressive. Oh, you should see the plans, Mr. Gallagher. The house is going to be beautiful. Is it now? Five bedrooms. We picked out all the furnishings, fitted carpets, the lot. Fitted? Wow. Isn't that nice, Richie? Yeah, sounds lovely. All set up. All set up. Well, yeah. You have to plan for these things. I'm sure you know yourself. Oh, of course. A plan. Everyone should have their own plan. Otherwise, you end up with someone else's plan. Right? Right. Right. Marriage is for life, you know. Mm, major cause of divorce, though. I told you Mr. Gallagher really likes my singing. You like her singing? I love her singing. Yeah, but her song... Fantastic. Kind of... Original? Well, sure, original. In fact, I'm always saying that to her myself. When have you ever told me I was original? But your voice, aren't I always saying to you? You have a good voice, don't I? Don't she do has it. a great voice. Original song, she's a great talent. Talent? Real talent. Yeah, well, we have her come up with us every Tuesday night. The odd Tuesday. And sing with the band for a set. Uh, one or two songs. How does she go down? Well, we bring her on and, and they want her to keep singing. Then why don't you let me? I told you, Sinead, it's not your band. We do covers and ballads and that's all. Sounds Sh- like you need your own band, Sinead. That thought has crossed my mind, Mr. Gallagher. Uh, Mr. Gallagher, um, do you mind? I, I, I just, I hope you don't mind, but 
I have a demo CD here. It's got four songs on it, and we put it together last year. And we, well, we all know you're a big star, and I, I love all your films. Chaos is brilliant. And, and you've lots of connections, like, and, and maybe you might just have a listen, and if you like it, you can pass it along to someone else in the recording business. Oh. I, well, I brought five copies, in case you want to pass it along. So here you go, Mr. Gallagher. If you can help us out, that'd be great, like. I can't take them. Yeah, but we're only asking you Oh my god, Timber. My hands from bar. See? Oh. I'm sorry, Mr. Gallagher. Mm. I didn't mean to. I'm sorry, look. I just set them down here for you on the piano. And there's contact information on the CD cover and on the disc. You made on these. No. It's my band and me. Okay, then. We should go. Yeah, unless you have a CD player and we can play it right now. No, let's go. And then if you like the first track, I think that you're... Get out. So my number's there, Adam. How dare you? Time was running out for you, Johnny. The writing was on the wall. First your feet, and then your legs, your fingers. Your hands, your arms, and on up onto your chest, and your, then your throat and your tongue. And I was writing it all down, scene after scene. Yeah, it was just a matter of time for you and me. Now cut to seeing the world from our salmon's point of view as he's making his way up the river. And then something new is clouding the waters. It's blood. All right, Sheldon. Whoa, 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 Sheldon, hey, look, I'm making progress here. Progress? What progress? You're giving me dirt here. Okay, uh, I admit that it's uh, kind of a dark portrait, like... Dark portrait? Of what, a black hole? Well, yeah, but you told me to trust my instincts, and that's instincts. what I... Instincts? No one wants to see a drunk, okay, wallowing in, like, self-pity for 125 minutes. Any way you look at it, it's just bad box office. Yeah, but Sheldon, it's exactly what's been happening. Please, uh, look, please, I think the truth is far more poignant than... I don't Look, I haven't even... And where's him as a little boy that we talked about? You know, the little boy with the big blue eyes. That's what we hired you to find, right? Am I right? You're right, Sheldon. This is a multi-million dollar movie we're doing here. You understand that, right? Yeah, yeah. I understand. Well, prove it then. You know, by the end of the week, I want to see some new scenes. Made up, happy scenes. You know what I mean? Hit all those buttons that spell box office. Right, yeah. Yeah, I'll do that. You clear on this? Yeah, yeah, we're clear. What the fuck? What's going on? What? 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 What is it, Sinead? Is Johnny okay? No, oh, he's fine, but look, he's on the telly. He's on the telly. Leading Irish actor Donald Maxweeney. You know what Johnny was only saying to me the other day? The great thing about cock people is that we always help each other. Johnny's one of the greatest talents ever to come out of cock. Ever. Ever. I mean that genuine. Of course. And that's why so much of the press from around the world are beginning to arrive in this picturesque little town to follow this exciting You have been listening to episode three of The Salmon of Blackpool by Roger Gregg. Featuring the talents of David Murray, Sarah Green, Michael Sheehan, Morgan Jones, Georgina Miller, Liam Heffernan, Roger Gregg, and Paul B. Lennox. Our sound engineer was Mark McGrath. The series was recorded on location with post-production in Crazy Dog Studios. 
The Salmon of Blackpool was written, directed and produced by Roger Gregg. Find out more at crazydogaudiotheatre.com And again, that was Crazy Dog Audio Theatre's The Salmon of Blackpool, the third episode. And we'll be hearing the conclusion of that series next week, as you heard the press has now caught on to the story, and uh, that raises uh, yet more conflicts. And uh, um, anyway, so that'll be next week, and if you can't wait that long, recall, you can always check up on more audio theatre news, reviews, and discussion at the podcast and blog, www.radiodramarevival.com. And if you prefer, you can always check us out on the iTunes store to a search for Radio Drama Revival. And that wraps it up for this week's show. Until next time, keep your mind and your ears open. Thanks for tuning in, and have a great week.